you're listening to Of Sights and Men. A Daily Magician production. South France, Southern France. Obviously, I'm not driving. That would be a little bit terrifying and not a very good idea. But my mic quality is not, unfortunately, the usual mic quality that it is. So hopefully you'll be able to bear with me. It sounds like Vinit, is that how I pronounce I should have asked how to pronounce your name before, but is that how you say it? Yes, <laughs> yes that's ex- yeah, that's exactly like, how you say it. Okay, perfect. You have like the crispest mic quality ever because you're a YouTuber. So hopefully your mic quality will compensate for my lack of. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, talking of you, Vinit. Um, you might know Vinit by his other name. His other name? <laughs> that sounds so creepy. Um, <laughs> by by his name on YouTube, um, The Card Mechanic or Card Mechanic. Um, you have grown a good following on there. You've got around about like 30,000 subscribers right now. You're uploading regularly. I know that you've run a Patreon. You've released a deck last year. Um, it yeah. seems like your your um, Instagram just kind of like blown up. I was like looking through your posts and you were like saying how excited you were to hit like 10k followers and now you're at like 126k followers. So that's, that's pretty wild growth over a small amount of time. Um, I've also seen that you've been going hard on the, the TikTok game. Yeah, just overall, it seems like you're, you're doing a lot of things in Magic and I was I really enjoy your channel, enjoy watching your videos. And so, yeah, I was excited yeah, to thanks. have you on. Yeah, thanks so much. I think for me, it was, I started off mainly as a, youtuber and then after a while after talking to like so many other magicians or any other people in like the entertainment industry they're like oh you need a you need to get on instagram so i got on instagram and then they're like oh you you should be on tiktoks and i i don't know i was very hesitant to get on tiktok because i felt like you know it's tiktok i thought it was just dancing (laughs) so then i got on tiktok i think maybe last year sometime around last year Mm -hmm. But I didn't really do much. It was just, it was just there. And then I'm like, you know what? I might as well make use of everything I can because, you know, I want to grow as much as possible. So might as well use all the resources I have and not leave things on the table. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you've been killing it with some of the videos over there. Like, I mean, it seems like like I have friends that that are musicians and they use TikTok a lot for like growing their own mm-hmm. brand and other people's brand. And I don't know, like they tell me TikTok is just like a weird like potluck. Where it's just like with consistent good uploads, like some of them will blow up, some of them won't. Like it's just like a, a kind of like consistent quality content game. I don't know if you've like found a similar yeah for yourself. Yeah, I would say that um, for sure because when I when I started, some videos did well, some videos did like completely flopped, and I'm like, I don't. They're the same thing except right, right, slightly different. I was making that like between like uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok. I was like looking at how like how well your like Spider Man deck video mm-hmm. did on instagram mm-hmm. and then yeah. I saw, not that it didn't do good on tiktok i mean it still was hitting like hundreds of thousands of views or like or maybe like forty thousand views i can't remember now but i was like oh, it's interesting like it's the same video like it surely yeah. it should have like the same virality but it's just not the case i guess yeah and especially when you compare those two things to like youtube short content it's it's like completely different it's like four or five k which is right. very strange so i don't i do not understand anything as of right now i just I just do my best to have fun with it and right. <laughs> just let everything else happen. You, you just upload it and you let the fans, t- let the let the viewers take care of the rest. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Well, before we get into the the deep um, <laughs> speak of the, the deep conversation about um, YouTube algorithms and all that sort of thing, maybe let's 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 pull it back, go from the beginning. Um, yeah. In my research, I saw that um, that you started was it five years ago your YouTube. Um, yeah. And I'd love to know kind of like where your magic journey started before that, and and where your idea of starting a YouTube came from. Sure. Yeah. I always love talking about this. So when I was 12 years old, I was sitting at the lunch table with my friends and uh, this one guy pulled out a deck of playing cards and, okay. you know, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to play some kind of card game at lunch. That's, you know, that's cool. And <laughs> then he showed me a card trick. I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. Can you do it again? And he did it several times and I could not figure out how it was possibly done. And I'm not sure if you're familiar. It was like a, it was like the 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 this and that card trick. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one with like the Sharpie written on like the. Yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you like that you... one for me too at that age. <laughs> yeah. So you're like you're showing this card, you're showing that card, and you, that's what you're showing the entire time. And in the end, you have like either nothing or you have the other or something weird written on a yeah, card. Yeah. And it blew me away. There was I, I just did not have any words. So I became obsessed with figuring out how that trick was done. And as I became, you know, more and more obsessed with, uh, once I figured that out, I became more and more obsessed with just magic overall, because I feel like it was, it was kind of really able to transform people almost from a, from a state of like, oh yeah, we're going to see a card trick to like, almost like a childlike state where it's, yeah. you know, they're kind of in like, wow, and amazement of what just happened. And I feel like that's what I really loved about performing magic. So that's what really got me into doing that kind of stuff. That's really cool. That's interesting how you like even like highlighted that like state of wonder, right? That people describe like the state mm -hmm. of like childlike curiosity. Um, it's cool that like the base of your magic came from that because I feel like a lot of people like get into magic for like the methods and mm -hmm. then like learn about this like whole idea of like childlike curiosity and wonderment through the theory. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool that yours kind of like went the other way around in a way. It's actually funny you say that because as I I stopped doing magic for some time. So I think from mm -hmm. age 12 to maybe until high school. So until I was 14, 15 years old, I did magic. And then I kind of got tired of it because it was because in high school, it was like, oh, you're, you're not cool. You carry on a deck of playing cards. You're, <laughs> you're a nerd. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So then I kind of stopped doing magic for uh, I think maybe like three, four years. And then after I got back into it, it was a lot of the focus was on, I guess, the, the mechanical side of I, how, how much I can get away with by doing like this technique. If I can palm the card and no one can see I'm, I'm palming the card or if I, uh, I don't know, I, I, I try to pocket the card in, in some way while misdirecting people. So at that point, I became really fascinated on how much I can get away with. So it kind of was, um, as you mentioned, <laughs> a bit of like an opposite, uh, opposite journey. But now I'm, I'm kind of in, in both, in both parts. I love doing technical stuff, but at the same time, sometimes I want to just focus on performance and having the best kind of reactions that you can get from your audience. And for those tricks, I actually found that you can keep the trick simple, but as long as you make the performance very engaging or, you know, really uh, involve your spectators, that's really what gets great reactions, whether the trick is easy, medium, or or difficult. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, like, 
I mean, it's like it kind of touches on two like pretty big like principles of magic, right? Which is like effect over method, um, mm-hmm. and then what well, I was actually oh, yeah, I'm actually interested. Sorry, this is not even a principle. I phrased that wrong, but yeah, <laughs> that's what I agree with you there. Um, I was just thinking about um, like kind of like you almost like bridge this. You're bridging this gap between like um, cardist and magician. Because like yeah. l- l- that was one thing I like, I, I kind of like noted like looking through like your Instagram and channel and stuff. I was like, oh, this is kind of like in between. Because I feel like a lot of the time yeah. like people will put themselves in like two camps. But yes. like just what you were saying there, it sounds like that's not how you think about it at all. So I'm interested to hear more about kind of what you think between these two camps of like magician versus cardist. Yeah, yeah. So when I so actually when I took a break from card magic, I saw a lot of people doing like cardistry and i feel like that's kind of when cardistry was really coming alive and maybe like yeah. the 2010s and whenever i was at home i was always like watching youtube videos of like cardists and i really got into cardistry because i thought it was like i, I don't know i just looked so appealing it was like eye candy and i started like and then this was by the end of high school so like senior year of high school like the I mean, I would say second half. I started doing card magic again because I felt like I had so much extra time, and you know, I I didn't really care what people thought at that point because you know, I feel like when you're a senior in in high school, it's just you don't care care as much. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but yeah. you just don't care as much. So I, you know, I was doing card tricks. I was doing cardistry at the same time. So if you looked at my card tricks during that period of my life, it was doing some flashy stuff with playing cards. And then also incorporating that with card tricks. So I, I kind of tried to put those two together, but I quickly found out that they c- kind of should not be together. Interesting. Because because it uh because I feel like it draws it kind of makes the audience more suspicious of your abilities. Yeah. I, I found it easier to keep the card trick looking as simple as possible rather than you know throwing cards up in the air and uh, I guess doing card fans and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people told me that it takes away from the magic effect if you do cardistry and card magic at the same time. So I, but the thing was, I enjoyed doing both. I really enjoyed doing both. So I didn't incorporate them together. I kind of separated them. And I, I, I was doing card magic at some points. I was doing cardistry at some points, but I never really, I guess, put them in together. But I really love, and you know, even now I love doing both of them. It's just. Uh, knowing when to do what i would say yeah it's interesting because i feel like one of the only like magicians that like kind of like almost like blew up in that kind of combination is like dynamo is like the first person i Mm -hmm. think of when i think of like cardistry plus card magic yeah but like you say i mean for me that's his style of magic like i mean you can't deny how successful he's been and like the thing that he he gained from it but for me, it's not my personal favorite type of card magic that he does. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, I think it's almost around that 2010 era that he was really like blowing up. Yeah. Um, so I guess like people can do it, but I guess what, what, do you know what I mean? But maybe like, what do you think it is that like sets him apart that he finds like success with it? Do you think it's just mainstream success rather than like theory success? Or I don't know. Cause obviously like for me, he's yeah. like the proof that like cardistry and card magic can actually go together and it can work but it does seem like he's almost like the exception to the rule rather than the rule itself yeah that's a good question oh i feel like it's difficult to kind of say exactly i've so i remember watching dynamo at that time too it's it's been a while since i've 
uh, seen, uh, you know, his performances. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There are not too many people that can pull off doing card three and card magic at the same time. But I think he was, I feel like he was one of the first to, to go mainstream doing or incorporating both. And I think that's why he really drew a lot of attention and and blew up in that way. For me, one of the first people that I saw doing both cardistry and card magic, and I feel like these these people were like the biggest inspiration when I picked up magic again, and and that was Dan and Dave Buck, hmm. and their original release of their their trilogy just that's what really yeah. got me going, and I don't know from from then on I was I was kind of obsessed with them, but I would say yeah I would say for Dynamo. Um, that I, th- I think it's because he was one of the first to really make that mainstream is why he did so well. But then again, I could be, I could be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. <laughs> it's all opinion at the end of the day. But yeah, I mean, it, I, like like you say, I think it's not like he was like doing cardistry and like everything. I mean, yeah. that was also just like the super fun era of like <laughs> Chris Angel and like Dynamo yeah. and like David Blaine and all yeah. that like vibe of stuff right i mean like yeah i feel like for me david blame was probably my favorite out of it oh, but to be sure. fair like when i was like younger and watching like chris angel mm-hmm. like now looking back it like seems so cheesy but <laughs> watching it at the yep. time i thought it was so sick you know like yeah i mean so it got me into magic so you can't really like you can't really <laughs> knock him for that you know <laughs> like his stuff where he like he's under like a trash can and then he like appears on the roof and like yep yep um, one in the park where he like pulls a woman in half. I don't know if you've seen that one, but yeah. Oh, but I mean, man. the reason I bring that up is because Dynamo kind of did stuff like that too, like walking on water and like yep. the one where he's like on the side of a London bus and then like yep. everyone was like levitating and like flying, right? Yes, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel like you just brought me back to that state. Yeah, I know. That where, I, where I can see everything now. Uh, now I have the, the mind freak. Oh song playing in my in my head <laughs> yeah freak man i mean he freaking kills it though chris angel man i mean he freaking rakes it in like especially with his like lake vegas show and everything so yeah you can't knock it i mean it, it, some of his stuff is super cheesy and funny but it works so what you gonna do about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man oh uh, that was that was, i feel like that was like the golden age yeah the, for real. the, mo- the modern golden age for real Freaking David Blaine Street Magic. That's where that's where it was out on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Did you see like they also made like uh, parodies for David Blaine Street Magic? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. It was it was some of the funniest things I ever saw in my life, and I showed I showed that to like literally everyone. That's people so who people who loved magic, people who hated magic, people who were indifferent about magic. I showed I showed that to everyone. It was <laughs> I had so much fun just literally watching. Uh, I guess those parody videos along with watching David Blaine. Yeah. And I was so obsessed with figuring out how David Blaine did his tricks. It's, it seemed impossible. It really seemed impossible. I know. And it's like, like you said, it really was like a golden age. Cause like, I guess magic methods just, well, I guess like magic methods just weren't available in the same way. Right. Because like everything mm-hmm. was like kind of coming out of book form into video form at that point. Yeah. So like, I don't know the, the way that she just using an invisible deck. Like I remember watching that, like what? Like yeah, that goes up and yes. like, you know, it's like think of any card, and he like, goes through, and it's like it's just using an invisible deck, but man, exactly killed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I for that reason I bought an invisible deck, and I couldn't. I sucked at using it. 
Um, I could not. Much harder than it looks. Like, I don't know, like yeah, they make it seem it, so easy. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard. I, I yeah. Well, my cousin like always would be like because we'd always do like shows together, and obviously like the Invisible Deck would always be our gal jail free card for like everything, and so like we always <laughs> performed together. And like yeah. we've always done shows together, but like over the past two years, he's been away like volunteering. So I like picked up the invisible deck for the first time myself, and I was like, "What the? It's like so much <laughs> harder than I thought it would be." I thought this was just like an easy get out of jail freak out yeah. of like any performance, <laughs> but nope. Yeah. Oh man! And then like sometimes the uh, the backs would would kind of wear out, and then right. every time I took it out, it was kind of a risk of would <laughs> would the cards separate by any chance if I don't hold them correctly? Oh man! Yeah. But those are so, yeah, but like you said, it's, now, now I'm just reminiscing Holy Freak. I don't even, I'm not even remembering that we're doing a podcast right now. I'm just <laughs> thinking about that time of magic because <laughs> that was so much fun. It really and was. I love the one as well that David Blaine does where he like, um, like switches the card that's in somebody's hand. Yes. Like, yeah. I still, I still perform that one like so much. It's, it gets such good reactions. Though. I mean, those tricks. And when he bends, yeah, it really does. When he bends like the prison bars that is still insane i have literally no freaking clue i mean unless it's obviously just set up but i, I yeah know. that's what i would think i think one of the biggest things i learned and not to discredit david blaine in any way yeah one of the biggest things i found out when i when a lot of his tricks began being published was or at least specifically i remember watching a trick where he kind of walked up to someone sitting on like the side of the road and i don't know maybe he was a homeless person or something yeah and he the, the guy was drinking a cup of coffee and he literally oh, took the yeah. cup of coffee the and coins. then like he yeah exactly turned into coins i'm like there's no way how this happened yeah and then later after figuring it out i i found out that it was kind of like a it was staged and he was using like a a, a gimmick cup of coffee to right. make that happen so it kind of lost a little bit of the, the sparkle uh, yeah yeah it lost a little bit of that after i figured out how it was done <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I really thought growing up watching it, I'm like, this is this is pure magic. There's no way. How is that possible? Yeah, man. That, that's how I felt about like a lot of the Chris Angel stuff, which is so funny looking back. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like when you first get into magic, you're like, bro, he split a woman in half. Like he just did it. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, like obviously he did. <laughs> like, got to split someone in half. <laughs> But like you're like, oh, dude, if I could just learn the method for that, I'd be a world famous magician. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's crazy times. how easily we believed in things. At, yeah. Uh, when we first saw them, we're at younger ages. Yeah, it shows you as like a layperson though. Like, you like stress so much over the method of your effects, but like, it shows you how like not deep, just like the average person's like thought on magic is. You know? Yeah. It's like you don't really yeah. need to worry about it. <laughs> yeah oh. so i guess coming back to the question um i don't even know we went really far here but we were <laughs> yeah. i think i asked you like I, I, I i'm sorry no don't be sorry I yeah i freaking love this I, I do this all day um but yeah so okay so you started in school you yeah started with, and then you you got into kind of like cardistry slash normal yeah. magic stopped carrying yeah. around a deck for a while but then got into magic later is that where we yes. got to yes yes okay so i yeah, so around we got the, we got to the end of high school where I kind of picked up magic and cardistry together. Right. And then after I graduated high school, I had a lot of time during the summer because I wasn't focused on because I already got into college. I already, uh, you know, there was nothing I had to study for, no exams coming up, so I had a lot of free time, and I spent a lot of it just 
kind of, uh, I guess, one reading up on how to improve your magic, uh, watching, you know, videos, whether I could buy them on uh, like Theory of Eleven, uh, Illusionist, and just seeing what, what things I can pick up, what things I can learn. And then by the time I started college, I felt very comfortable, you know, going up to people and performing, you know, kind of uh, street magic where I, I could kind of just walk around my campus, ask people to do, ask people to see card tricks. Yeah. And for the, when I did it the first couple of times, I was, I was so nervous. Yeah. I did not think a single word would kind of come out of my mouth. I thought I'd mess up every single trick that, that I would do. And my hands would shake so much. <laughs> and I, I, w I, I remember so clearly I was terrified of doing street magic. So I started doing it with friends at first. So it was more like, you know, my, my friends were kind of standing there. We like, we were, we were standing at like the, the bus stop and <laughs> I would be doing, I would be doing car tricks for my friends there. And oh, then and people would always kind up. of, yeah, exactly. They would always gather around. So I feel like I would start in an easy place. And then as people would come up and, and start watching, I'm like, okay, this is fine. I, I'm, I'm mainly just doing it for my friend right here, but everyone else can watch. That's fine. But I think the initial approach of a, a random stranger is what always made me very nervous. And I was, by the I don't know if I shared this, but I was a very, very introverted person. I did not like going up to people. I did not like raise my hand in class unless I was 110% sure of the answer. I was very, very introverted. So I think that's also one of the things that I feel like magic did for me was made me a bit more, uh, I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert now, but I would say I'm, I'm like in the middle. I'm like an ambivert where I can kind of go back and forth between things and based off of, you know, how I need to be at that moment. But I yeah. think that's one of the things I also loved about doing magic is really opened me up uh, and made me more of a, a social person than I would have been if I did not do that. It kind of put me in situations where, I feel like I have to do this now. Yeah. It's funny because, I, I mean, I, I did like the, I remember well, younger though. I was like, I don't even know, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like all my friends and I would do. We'd go in like our little village and we'd just like stop, like harass old ladies in the street and show them magic <laughs> tricks. <laughs> that was so fun, man. I, we were like so inspired by David Blaine. We would just like go around our town and just like perform magic for everyone. But like thinking back, as you said, I guess that was like really good experience from a young age to just like deal with the pressures of performing for strangers. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So it, I kind of started, um, I guess, there. And then I, th I would say later in college, I kind of put it away again because it was just there were so many exams all the time. There were job interviews, things like that. Right. So. I think for like the first three years of college, I was able to kind of go around and do that. And then last year, I, I literally had like no time. Right. So I kind of stopped doing card magic again. And that's what I also see with a lot of other people. I guess it's kind of going off topic. But I also see a lot of other people who start magic, they take a break, and they come back. So I don't know, was that something that you had? Uh, was that similar with you as well? Or did you yeah. were you just doing it the yeah. whole time? No, yeah, for sure. I think it was like probably about the same as you. Like, um, yeah, around like 15 to like 18, I kind of mm -hmm. just like tailed off. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Not for any real particular reason other than just like, yeah, probably just was like, oh, I like girls now. So I guess <laughs> I gotta like not do magic cause it's kind of geeky. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. not that I help much. I mean, I look like Harry Potter <laughs> and I'm like the biggest geek there is. But now being geeky is cool, man. We, we grew oh, up in the for sure. past era. Ah, <laughs> I know. It wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think a lot of people come in and out of magic. I think it's pretty normal. I briefly interrupt this podcast to uh, just share a little uh, self-promotion with you if I could. Um, if you're enjoying what you're listening to right now um, and you think that maybe you'd enjoy more of our content, uh, please head over to the dailymagician.com slash books. There you'll find 24 classic magic books for free and you'll be signed up for our daily emails where you can hear and get more content just like this. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed so far. And uh, like I said, that's the dailymagician.com slash books. Claim 24 classic magic books for free. And you'll also uh, be getting daily contact from us with more incredible content just like this. Mm. So I, yeah, so I think, I think uh, at that point when I started getting a job and, you know, kind of got there, I, again, stopped doing magic for a bit. Uh, and then, but then after college, after I, after I graduated, I've always like when I was performing in in college, there were always people. Oh, do you have a YouTube channel? After I finished performing for them, do you have a YouTube channel? Do you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, no, I don't have a YouTube channel. I don't. I just like doing this for fun. And then after so many people asked, after I graduated, I was thinking, well, you know what? I really want to start a YouTube channel now. Hmm. Like I have, I have all this free time because I graduated in May. And my job was going to start in January of the following year. So I had, you know, I had plenty of time. So I told myself, you know what, I'm going to start up a YouTube channel. So one month passed by, it was June. I'm like, I'm going to start up a YouTube channel. Another month passed by and July, I made my YouTube channel. And I did not know what to name it. I went with like, I don't know, five different names. I called myself card technician. I called myself the mechanic. But then I'm like, okay, well, if I call myself the mechanic, people might think I have a like a mechanic channel right. and I fix cars. And I call myself um, uh, the technician, but I'm like, oh, they may just think I'm a technician. And I went through like, I think I changed my name four times, eventually landing on card mechanic. And I'm like, you know what? I think this sounds this sounds pretty good. So I named myself card mechanic. Did not upload another video. No video uploaded the Monday <laughs> the next month no video in august and then in september i was watching some some like inspirational type video and um the person who was i forgot who it was exactly but she said screw it just do it i'm like you know what i'm i'm gonna take that catchphrase that's gonna be my thing now if i just if i feel like i need to do something i'm just gonna screw it just do it regardless of how i'm feeling i'm just gonna do it so i picked up my phone. I had like an iPhone six at the time or something. I picked up my iPhone and I did not have a, like a camera stand or anything. And I was, I, I was actually a musician. So, okay. Quote unquote musician. So I had a, a music stand. I put my phone on my music stand and I had like this very rundown microphone. It was like 15 bucks and I had gotten it as like a Christmas present or something. And so I, I took that, I put that on my table. I had like the smallest tripod and I did not have like a, a, like a mat or like a pad where I could do like card tricks on, but I had like this rubber, I had like this rubber mat 
which was it? I don't think it was really meant for card magic. I put that on my table. I put the microphone right on my mat or right on my mat, right next to my mat. I like leaned into the mic and I uh, put my phone on my music stand and I hit record. And I was like, this is the worst video I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I, I don't know if, if anyone creates content for the first time and maybe it was just me. But I was like, I, I, I want no one in my house to hear me. Like I was living with my parents at the time. So like, I don't want, I want no one in my house to hear me and judge me in making content. So I'm like, I'm almost whispering into the mic and, and trying to teach how to do the Charlie A cut. <laughs> and that was, that was my first video. I'm like, wow, this is the worst thing I've ever created. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I thought it was so bad. And yet I'm like, you know what? I want all my friends to be subscribed to me. So uh, like a hundred plus people I sent out, this is my YouTube channel. This is what I do subscribe. And out of like the hundreds of people I reached out to, I had like 28 people that actually subscribed. And I'm like, wow, this, this kind of sucks. None of my friends thought I... me. <laughs> yeah. They all asked for the channel. Exactly. They didn't actually want it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it was at that moment I'm like, oh, this is not going to be as easy as I thought it'd be. And I don't know what it was, but there was something I really enjoyed about having. I feel like I owned something at that time when I put up when I first put up my first video. I'm like, wow, this is this is something I did. It's not great, but I don't think anything you do for the first time is going to be great. So yeah, I just I just kept on doing it, and I got to a point where it just. I just want to do like a little bit better every time. So maybe if I didn't do this one in my editing, I'll I'll do that next time. Or maybe this could have been a bit better. Maybe I could have done like a I could have zoomed in at, on this part. I could have added some music here. And it was just making those little changes a bit at a time. And then at that point I kind of became obsessed with creating content. Right. And I guess that's what got me through the the 5 plus years that I've been doing this. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, like ten thousand mistakes kind of rule, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you know it's like you have to mess up like ten thousand times to like achieve mastery, like true mastery of something. Yeah. So kind of like you're saying, like screw it, just do it. Is that it? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Along those lines. It's like exactly. uh, you know, if you're gonna have to make ten thousand mistakes to get good at something, you may as well just start making those mistakes as like fast as possible, right? So that you can get down to like the good bit. <laughs> But. That's the yeah, that that's exactly it. it. I mean, it it really sucks in the beginning, but I mean, after looking back, it's like you really come of a long way. Yeah. I guarantee you, anyone who looks back at anything they've done, especially if they've done it for a while, they look back like, "Wow, I've I've really come a long way." And for me, one of the the most difficult things, and I'm not sure if every you know content creator goes through this, but for me, one of the most difficult things was seeing other people in my same niche do way better than I could, you know, ever potentially dream of doing. And at the same, that was discouraging, but at the same time, inspiring. So I was almost at like two, um, I guess two, um, what's my word for it? Two frames of mind where it's like, I can never be that good. Maybe I should just quit along with, Oh, that the content they're creating is so good. I want to get that good too. So it was very like a very back and forth type thing. And I think one of the biggest things I learned is just don't compare yourselves 
with other people. Yeah. And I think that was really my biggest takeaway. Cause once I stopped doing that, I felt so much better about the content I was putting out. Like I still looked at others for inspiration on uh, ideas or how they're maybe editing their videos or, you know, doing their hooks in the beginning of their videos or their TikToks or Instagram reels, whatever it is. And so I really kind of started drawing inspiration versus looking at it as they're way better than I am. And I think that really, really helps. Yeah. Um, I, I would say really, really helped me. And uh, hopefully if any, anyone else is, you know, doing content creation, I, I feel like that should kind of help them a bit as well. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I think it's like a trip. It's obviously just like a life principle, but I think it's like attributed to Theodore Roosevelt. It's like, like comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is really true. But then also at the same time, something that helps me with like not comparing myself is yeah. like, <laughs> I'm not like a Gary V Stan, but he does have this video that <laughs> I really like, <laughs> Yeah, um, which is like, he just talks about basically like this girl's talking and she's like saying, he's like, oh, have you actually started doing anything? And she's like, no. And he's like, who do you look up to? Like, what do you spend a lot of your time doing? She's like, well, I like follow the Kardashians a ton. And like, whenever I look at like their success, like I feel like mm-hmm. so intimidated and upset. And like, I don't know. I really like what he says. Cause he's just like, <laughs> he's pretty harsh, but he's just like, do you think they give yeah. a crap like about you? Like, do you think yeah. like the Kardashians spend their whole days like worrying about you? Like, they don't even know who you exactly, are. Exactly. You don't even exist yeah. to them. So, like, why are you spending all your time, like, worrying about their opinion and their lives when they don't give, like, crap about you? And, like, exactly. I don't know. For me, like, in those moments, that's kind of what helps me just, like, steady myself is I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, literally, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> these, like, t- like, David Blaine doesn't give a crap about me. Like, exactly. Not in a bad way. It's just like he doesn't know who the frick I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, why should I worry so much about what he's doing when he doesn't even like think about? He doesn't even know who I am. He doesn't even know that I exist. You know, it's like, I don't know. If it weirdly for me, that house of like comparison to really successful people. Yeah, yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. And I think one thing I like about Gary V is that he's very honest with his feedback and is not afraid to hurt your feelings. Yeah, it's kind of like a Gordon Ramsay style. Yes, yes. And for me, I feel like that's, I all, okay, I would say I almost kind of adapted that sort of feedback, but I found out that it really hurts people when you just, like, if you do it to, like, your your friend's family, it is, it doesn't go over well a lot of the time. So you could be saying something that's 100% correct, and they may hate you for it. Well, you've got to, I, they've, they've got to ask you about it, right? That's the thing. Yes. Right? They've, got, they've got to ask yeah. for it. Like, nobody wants to hear advice that they didn't ask for, so there's not even any point giving it. But I feel <laughs> yeah. like I feel like the difference in these situations, right, with like Gary Vee and Gordon Ramsay, right, is like people literally ask them to come and help. They ask him to teach them, exactly. right? And like exactly. that, and Gary Vee, right, like he's, people are calling for his help. So in that situation, you can kind of let loose, right, and just like yep whatever's true yeah yeah i i honestly i love when i'm able to ask someone for advice and they give me you know pure feedback and they don't they don't sugarcoat anything so that's what i really love about you know a lot of people who do that kind of teaching when you when you go up to them or you know like uh, like if you're watching any gary v videos or Mm -hmm. getting feedback on your cooking from gordon ramsay it's entertaining and uh also you know it kind of hits home with what you kind of have to do and uh i guess not really care about what other people are saying, what other people think. You just, you know, you just kind of go and do it. That's what I really like about marketing. Cause like a lot of the time I spend doing like email marketing and mm-hmm. online marketing and 
you can't hide from the truth when it comes to like conversion numbers. That's what I really, really like about what I do is like, mm. if I write a sales page and it doesn't sell or like a trick, I come up with an original effect and like, I yeah. think the copy's good. And like, I think the trick's good and it doesn't sell. Like that's like, I can't really hide from those numbers. Like, it's just like, well, yeah. you, you just didn't do very good. Like <laughs> either the trick, the audience or the copy didn't line up and like, whatever it is, that's your fault. You know, and I, I do mm. like, I love that. I don't know if you've ever read anything by like Jocko Willenick, but he has, I book, have not, he has a book called like extreme ownership. Uh -huh. Um, and it's, he's a Navy seal. And basically he like talks about his experiences, like his, his like wartime experiences. And he talks about this principle of extreme ownership where basically like whatever goes wrong, even if it's not your fault, like directly yeah. your fault, taking extreme ownership for it is always like the best course of action. And mm. like, I feel like for me and that, that, that really, really helps. Cause it's like, if you just like, kind of like take this, like, kind of like you were saying, like screw it mentality where you're just like, you know what? Yeah, it's my fault. I should be mm -hmm. doing better. And I want to like know <laughs> what I'm doing wrong so I can improve. Yeah. Even if you're not a hundred percent at fault, acting like you are, will always like give you better results going forwards. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Don't think I can agree with anything as much as you just said. I mean, it's it's so easy to blame other people. It's yeah. so easy, but then blaming yourself, you're like, oh, it can't possibly be me. I'm I'm great, but like as you said, at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. You know, if you don't have a great conversion rate, if you don't, if you're not making, you know, the the sales that you want to be making, it's you know, you can't blame any anyone else. Right. It's ultimately at the end of the day, it's on you. And it's free, so, yeah. weirdly, in a way to not blame anyone else, right? Because then mm -hmm. you're responsible for it. Like, you have control over yourself and your actions. You don't yeah. have control over the, the other people's. So by owning everything that you do, you actually take control over it. Like, you have more control over your life by doing that. Um, so it's like, not only is it, like, good psychologically, it's also just, like, allows you to actually make change. And again, like... I'm not trying to like preach these like these are some like huge like principles like everyone yeah. says this everywhere but <laughs> when you apply them like they really it really does work yeah and it's it's definitely not easy to apply them uh because i i know personally i it's so it, it's really hard to be hard on sucks. yourself yeah it sucks yeah so yeah everyone could say it but you know if if they don't really if the person listening doesn't really take it in then it doesn't really have much impact but yeah i mean if if that's something that you feel like that you know that you should be better in then maybe you could start off by taking you know a little bit of responsibility and and going from there right and i think it's an interesting thing like what you're talking about with this like screw it just do it mentality because i've thought mm. about this a lot this kind of like just do it nike vibe yeah yeah <laughs> and I, I don't know like it's interesting because I feel like my caveat for that, that I've, that I've, that I've realized, and probably you've come to the realization for yourself as well is like, screw it, just do it. Yes. But like pick something that you genuinely think that you can be world-class at because mm. like, I don't know. I see a lot of like, I don't know, like this is really weird, but like my, uh, my, my partner showed me like, she just got like, you know how like the algorithm on Instagram or TikTok will just randomly serve you up some like random person with like yeah. three views and two likes. It <laughs> yeah. was like, well, obviously that's, that's a pretty good ratio. Maybe three views only, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, they were, I don't know. She was just like showing me like this, like random singer that she got like pulled up and man, uh -huh. it was crazy. Cause like 
she'd been posting for like 15 years straight and wow. like every single day like four videos a day right and like Jeez. not one video was above like 20 views you know wow and like again no offense to her but like she just wasn't very good <laughs> so it was like like she just i don't know like the, the video production like her actual singing voice again and I don't even know her. I'm not trying to be a savage, but like, yeah, yeah. I was just like, the, the content just wasn't very good. Like, and so I don't know. It just like, I don't know why, but like that stupid, like moment of her this thing, like, this is so weird. Like, why did this get pushed to me by the algorithm? It made me realize like, there has to be like a caveat, right? Cause like, it's not just like, just do it. it like, mm. yes, but also like best tools that you like start mm. with the best tools, have the best practices, pick something that you think you can be really good at and then go and do it consistently. Because yes. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of time people can like misconstrue that and be like, well, I've been doing this for like 15 years and I don't see any progress, but it's like, well, you have the right tools. Like, are you trying to reach out to the right people? Are you in the right niche? Like, are you like, do you, I don't know. I, I like, I think it's in um, Good to Great um, mm -hmm. that it says like, it, it talks about um, like just picking, like picking something that you believe that you can be better at than anyone yeah. else in the whole world. And again, that sounds really like really big ego, but how I interpret that is like, I don't know. I don't know if you think of like, sorry, I'm talking a lot here, <laughs> but if you think of like, if you think of like professional football players, right. It's like, and here I'm talking about soccer. Um, like you see them, like a lot of people like get annoyed by like their ego. Right. Where they're like, mm -hmm. oh, like boxers, right. is a really good example where they're like, I can beat anyone. Like, yeah. I'm gonna win oh. this fight, et cetera. Yes. It's like, it can feel like really egotistical and like annoying, but then you have to realize like, they have to believe that to win. Yes. Like yes. they have to believe they're the best in the world to have the confidence when the pressure is on and like the, and the stakes are at their highest. And so I guess that, that I add to kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Like pick what you think you can be best at. Like make sure that you have the best skill set and tools to go forward because there's no mm. point sailing a ship like yeah. America if you set off with like the wrong longitude. Mm. <laughs> um and then do it like hit it hard and consistently and i for me i feel like that's what you've done you pick something that you think you can be really good at that you think you can produce good quality and then you've added that consistency level or at least you've said i think i can become the best at this and then you've been willing to like take the hits to to get to that point yeah yeah i would say it's kind of different between content creation and like competition whereas mm -hmm. if i'm if i'm competing in something then yes i'm 100% going to be like yeah i i'm the best at this <laughs> and it'll definitely come off at, at as egotistical as you were saying but it was it was literally the exact same thing when i was uh playing music and i played the saxophone uh by the way fun. so when i, I was play, when i was I playing play music drums. i don't know if you play oh, jazz but nice I yeah i i did i yeah. i played the alto saxophone when i when i did classical music oh, and awesome. i played the baritone sax when i did jazz awesome so yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. But whenever we went to any kind of competition, you always had to, I don't know, if you had that mentality that I am the best, you're going to play at your best. Right. Like, it's not necessarily true, but it's just, you need to have that mindset to perform at your best level. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like in terms of content creation, you don't have to be like, I'm the greatest yeah, yeah, the YouTube card handler of all time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely feel like I want to get to that point. Right. But will I? I don't know. Yeah. I would like to think so. But the mindset's the mindset's good, right? It's like having yes. that mindset can't hurt you. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. 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 And yeah, I guess for sure. I guess like with content creation, if I may, I guess I would say 
what I mean more by that is not to say like I'm the best YouTuber on the platform because you know Mr. Beast Mr. Beast is gonna have you beat every on every video but (laughs) in more in terms of like i believe that in terms of creating like card magic content i can create like some of the best high quality content there is you know yeah yeah and again i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but if i were to interpret it that way that's how i would if i was if i had the same goal set as you that's that's how i would interpret it (laughs) yeah and it's actually funny i was talking to a friend of mine the other day and i had i had literally told her that this year when i'm making videos I'm going to make each video as if it's going to be the most viral video ever. And so that I think just taking that mentality really helps one in kind of lifting my mood when I'm making the video. Yeah. Cause you know, if you, I think there, I forgot there was, there was some quote, but like if you, or maybe there was a quote or a question, like what would you do if you know that you couldn't fail? And like, that's, and and that's kind of the approach I was taking to the content creation. And I, okay, well, just a side note, I feel like I really took this, really took this in the direction of self-help. Um, yeah, that's the whole I, podcast. I, I love that stuff. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. But yeah, that's, so that's the approach that I just recently started taking. And I feel like that's really helped one in my attitude when it came to creating content and uh, two in the type of content that I'm putting out. Yeah. So yeah, I think just having that approach of, you know, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I possibly can. I'm going to have the best type of content. The next video I put up is, it's going to go viral or is going to get hundreds of thousands of views. It, it really kind of helps. And even if, you know, that doesn't happen at the end of the day, um, you don't, you really don't want to take that to heart. It, you just, yeah. you know, you, you do the, you go, you go to the next, next one expecting the same thing. And one of my favorite quotes is actually by Winston Churchill, who says success is going from failure to failure without a loss in enthusiasm. It's on my wall, man. I love mm. that quote. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like there's one by like Edison as well. That's like really good where it's like some of like life's greatest like tragedies is those mm-hmm. that like gave up just before the moment of like reaching success. Yes. I feel like yes. I don't, I, that's not word for word, but that's, that's my interpretation of the quote right now from memory. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you for being so candid. Uh, I think, like, yeah, it's really important, especially for, especially in a world where like tons of people want to be content creators now, where it's like now like the new like dream job. Mm. I think it's it's good to be honest about the realities of it. Oh, and one thing I wanted to say as well is like, in in having that attitude, not only are you like putting the best work into your videos, but you're also like serving your audience. You know, it's yeah. like they deserve to have the best quality content that you can put out like mm-hmm. whether or not it does become a huge viral video that mm-hmm. audience that does receive it is still going to appreciate your efforts you know it's going to yeah. feel like they've been being well served whether or not it does go viral or not yeah 100 percent, 100 percent agree with that yeah so tell me about this deck that you made how, how did how did how do you like honestly this is just like kind of a selfish question for me because like <laughs> I am interested in making decks and like <laughs> I've looked into it a little bit myself, but only like yeah. very surface level. So I'm interested mm. to know what, 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 if you're okay to move on to this, um, yeah. what, what did, what did it take last year to make a deck and mm. you know, yeah. Well, what goes into it? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So when I first, the first, I guess, 
conceptualization that came into my mind was I want to release a deck of playing cards was when I saw uh, Rise Magic. Uh, it was another, uh, I guess, YouTube channel. They, I guess, mainly do like ASMR cardistry type stuff. That's what they got, you know, really big for. They released their own playing cards, uh, which are the Rise playing cards. And I saw them like, well, this is a very nice deck. Wouldn't it be cool if I could release my own deck? Like that would that would be the dream. I feel like I would kind of leave some sort of mark in like the card collecting community if I release my own deck of playing cards. And so this was in August of 2020 that they released this deck or did, did I get the deck at that time? But it was sometime, it was something in that time frame. And I knew that from that moment, I wanted to release my own deck of playing cards because it's just, I, I feel like I have to do it. You know, I feel like when you're, when you're in a business, you kind of want to be using your own products. Yeah. So I'm like, I, this, I, I need my own brand. I want to create my own brand of playing cards. So I spent a couple of a uh, couple of weeks, and again, this kind of just goes with my <laughs> screw it, just do it mentality of I'm not going to wait a couple of months to start doing this or research for 20 years. But I spent, I think, maybe like three, four weeks uh, just looking at companies that release playing cards. I looked, and there were three videos that I saw on YouTube that really helped me in one, the technical aspect of creating a deck of playing cards. And then also in the mental uh, mental approach that you need to be taking with a deck of playing cards. So uh, a couple of creators that I saw, one was, of course, Rise Magic. They talked about how to you know kind of create a prototype for your deck and the process they went through. Uh, two was by uh, Daniel Madison, who talked a lot about the thought process behind making a deck of playing cards. And three was Ekaterina or Ekat, who talked about the process that she went through when she released her first deck, whether that be um, designing them playing cards, um, getting getting them to the right formatting you need, getting the right color scheme, uh, talking to the United States Playing Card Company, which is you know the company that I, I used for creating this deck, and then fulfillment. And I'm like, wow, there's actually a lot that goes into it. So I took like pages and pages of notes on on what I could find. And based off of that, I was like, okay, now I, I know what it takes to release a deck of playing cards in theory, but I want to see now what, like, what do I want to do with the deck of playing cards? Like what, like I can't just be like, okay, well, deck of playing cards, I'm ready to release it. Right. I had to come up with some kind of, some kind of theme, something that I like. And I just didn't know what. And at this time it was like, I mean, this was also like COVID time, right? The end of 2020, uh, this was, so I, a lot of people had free time in their hands. So I thought, Perfect. you know, I really love, yeah, I really love, one of the things I picked up during COVID was playing chess. Like I enjoy right. playing chess so much. And, you know, even now I, I try to play at least two, three games daily. What's, what's uh, but uh, it, it's not great. It's, uh, so I, I mainly play rapid and blitz. Yeah. So I think my rapid is, uh, I think 17... 40, 1750. Okay, come on. Sorry, that's French. Still, this is good. <laughs> and then my blitz is around 1700. Okay, okay. So, I mean, you're, so, not, you're not a beginner by any means. Like, yes, you're not, yes. You're not, you're, you're like in that like really hard grind zone where you're trying to get up towards like 2000 ELO. Yes, yeah. That That's the dream, right? So, um, funnily enough, there's, so like, like my, my name on YouTube is Card Mechanic. 
And a lot of people, when they refer to me in like the comments or something, they say CM. And I think CM is actually a, a rating in chess. I forgot what the C stands for. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I want to get to that rating. And I think that's a 2000 or 2100 rating yeah. that you're known as CM. I forgot what I think CM is. 2200. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. what I wanted to get to. Yeah. I want to get to the the rating of CM. It's, like, <laughs> it's a classical like fee day thing you have to like do. Yeah. That. No. Yeah. And I'm like, I really want to get to this Candidate rating. Master. But the... that's what that's what it is. Yes, yes, candidate master. And like I want to get to that rating. I want to be able to say that I'm I'm <laughs> yeah, CM. You really am. You are CM. <laughs> <laughs> so the grind is not easy on chess. But anyway, that I kind of I guess Sorry, I'm kind anyway, of going anyway, on a parallel I love topic. Chess. I, could, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'd definitely be down to play a game. No, oh, you freaking um, you'd absolutely crush me. But I, I'd definitely be happy to learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to incorporate chess in, in when I was playing. And one of my favorite pieces in chess is a knight, just because I feel like knights are kind of wild. Like you can have a completely winning position at times. And then if, if a knight forks like your king and queen, you're done. So I feel yeah, like I wanted like to kind of... like that thing, like if you have a knight on the board, like always play on, right? Yep, yep, exactly. So I kind of wanted to include uh, incorporate a knight. But I'm like, um, I don't know. I don't think... A, a knight would fit my theme so I'm like i want to go with a chess piece but i want to incorporate a different animal and a lot of creators i also saw based it off of like of like two things they incorporated like an object and they incorporated like an animal so i said me you know what i want to kind of i want to do that too i want to incorporate both of those things so i'm like okay well i have a chess piece but now i need to put in an animal as well and then i can merge those together and for me, I always, I don't know if this is weird, but I always kind of saw myself as like a, as like a wolf. Because uh, I, cause I feel like I, I uh, like I mentioned, I was very introverted growing up. So I, I never felt like I was, you know, like really dependent on other people or I, you know, went in and talked to a lot of people all the time or, or th- th- did things like that. So I felt like I, I felt like like a like a lone wolf type thing. I was gonna say, cause like that is the opposite of a wolf, but lone wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like, yeah. it is a pack animal. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. So I felt like a lone wolf type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But then I'm like, but I also do love, you know, having like a a close knit group of friends. Yeah, right. So, so you, I kind of like saw that pack, as like a. But you grew yeah. up as a as a lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that that kind of fits with the theme of like a pack of playing cards, right? So it, it, this works out well. The wolf works out well. <laughs> so from that, I actually got the quotes that I wrote on the side of my of my tuck case. On one side, I wrote, "The strength of the pack is the wolf," mm. and on the other side, I wrote, "The strength of the wolf is the pack." And Ooh. I felt like that that worked out so well. That's pretty sexy. Uh, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> And I feel like that that worked out so well for this for this deck of playing cards. So once I got the theme done, uh, by the way, I did a lot of a lot of research on wolves. I, I spent <laughs> I spent like uh, a couple of weeks just doing research on wolves, and and that's how I came up with the this edition because like they're alpha wolves, they're beta wolves, they're omega wolves, uh, and and these are of course part of the same pack. And I'm like, you know what? The first deck I'm going to release is going to be the alpha. It's gonna be it's gonna be the first one, and that's how I came up with like the alpha edition for for this pack of playing cards, and I guess I actually should realize I didn't really mention the name of the playing cards, but 
yeah so i you know like i like i mentioned i wanted to go with the wolf but i didn't want to call them wolf playing cards that kind of sounded right boring so you went for the so, latin of course yep so I, of course i went for the latin version <laughs> and and uh, called it canis lupus and i i i feel like that that kind of rolled off the tongue very easily and i'm like this yes no it's the second it. i said it i'm like this is that this is, the it, latin, this is what i want yeah it's it's, it's peak <laughs> Yep. So I went with that, and then I went on Fiverr because I have no skill when it comes to art, <laughs> zero, zero design art skills. And I told him I wanted a combination. I wanted to look like a knight, but I wanted to look like a wolf head on a knight, hmm. or, or a wolf head on a chess piece. And that's what it, you know, kind of ended up being. And I absolutely loved it. I think we went to two iterations in designs, but. Uh, the guy I worked with was, you know, very nice, very helpful, and we were able to come up with the actual design of how it would look. And in then in terms of color, it was it was no contest for me. I love the color purple, and uh, so I decided to go with like a royal deep purple color, and uh, that's how I got the color uh, of these playing cards. So I, love, I really focused. There's not that many cards that are this color, and I really like it. Thank you. The only other ones I've seen are like, uh, and it's not quite the same purple, but I have the um. Juan Tamaris cards that he did like mm -hmm. for the the session. I yep, really, yep. really like those. But I like this. I really like this purple color. It's really nice looking. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to go with kind of like a royal purple type color. Yeah, and then I also wanted to kind of associate it with something else. I really tried to fit as much theme into the deck as possible. And maybe I don't know. Maybe it was a bit too much, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. No, I like it, man. I like, I mean, it's like if you're gonna make a deck of cards, like. You gotta go hard. I, I like <laughs> I like how they look. They're really nice. I mean, then like cause they're, they're not like it's not like too much, right? It's like yeah. still simple, but I do feel like it's yeah. Effective. I'm I'm a very minimalistic type person, so I wanted to keep you know I didn't want to go like overboard with the designs and everything. I wanted to keep it to a minimal design, mm -hmm. but I wanted as much theme in the deck as possible. Right. So I also picked like a gemstone to go with uh, with the color. So, for example, with this deck, I went with the Amethyst Gemstone because, again, it's, it's, a, it's a purple color. And, and once I got on, like, doing this, I planned out, like, the next eight decks. Yeah? I'm like, I want, I want this one, I want this, I okay. want this, I want this. That's hype. So I put, yeah, I put so many decks in the pipeline. And I'm like, well, it's... Um... And then, but the thing is, they were all going to have a very similar design. And I didn't want to be one of those brands that, you know, releases a deck of playing cards but it has like just a different color on the back mm -hmm. because for me, like it, I guess it's, I guess it's nice for some people, but I just, I don't know. I could not see myself doing that. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well I want to do this, but I want to see how I can change it up every time. And that's where I kind of got stuck in, in designing the second deck. I did. I do have a couple of ideas that I have written down, but um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see hopefully in the coming year or, or next year at the latest. How I want to incorporate that, yeah. But uh, yeah, and and the actual design aspect of like the wolf and the chess piece actually came to me while I was taking a nap. So I I I was taking a nap, and I I woke up in like I I suddenly woke up, mm. and I I remember this clearly. I was I was sleeping downstairs on my couch, right. And I suddenly woke up I'm like this is it, this is what I see. I ran upstairs. And to the best of my abilities, I drew out what I wanted in terms of how I want the chess piece to look, how I want the back design to look. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is this is what I want. 
And I think the the next day or the day after is when I hired the person on Fiverr and told them this is this is what I'm looking for in my in my design. This is how I want um, how I will how I want it to come across. And yeah, I think from there was uh, I guess a bit of extra work because once he designed the logo itself, I did the designing on the playing card myself. So the United States Playing Card Company has like certain standards you have to follow. I had to figure that out. That took like um, uh, I think a week or so to actually figure that out. And by the time I was ready to release my deck of playing cards, or by the time I was ready to submit my designs to the United States Playing Card Company, it was December. So from I think from uh, September to December is how long it took me to get everything sort of finalized with this deck. Dang. And yeah, and then from there I was kind of able to peak interest uh, with my audience, which I actually did in like November that I kind of said like, this is what I'm working on. Yep, exactly. And then I was kind of also able to share the whole process of uh of my whole thing with this deck of playing cards on my on my patreon page so literally every week i think it was like 11 weeks or 12 weeks every week i put out a a vlog sharing like some of the design ideas i had some of the uh struggles i went through and things like that and one of the biggest things was my face i put my face on the the king of spades just because i felt like it's my deck of cards <laughs> i have to do it and I went through like four designers trying to figure out how to put my face on there because I did not like how it came out every time. And then by the end, I accepted. <laughs> I think that's just my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so by the end, of, yeah, I accepted that. Oh, this is just my face. This is how I look. So I, uh, I went with one of uh, the designs that I liked. And I kind of combined two of the designs by the designers. And I ended up going with that. But I was really, it was a really fun process uh, making a deck of playing cards. Uh, definitely not easy, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. And the fact that uh, a lot of my audience got this deck, purchased this deck, and, you know, enjoyed using it, I think that was, you know, one of the most uh, gratifying experiences. Yeah, for real. Especially, like, this is such a physical thing, right? Because, like, mm -hmm. obviously with the YouTube videos, you, people, it sparks a lot of interest and people can interact with you. But to have something that you, like, made and they physically have it in their hands is just a very different experience, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And I, I would say that was the greatest feeling, getting your own deck of playing cards. Well, well, first I ordered the prototype, which was in December. Right. I ordered the prototypes and like it felt great just holding the prototypes. And when these playing cards arrived in March of, was it March? Late February or March of 2021, I I could not let go of this deck. I <laughs> held this deck for hours. You're back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it was the greatest it was one of the greatest feelings knowing that you know something that you work worked on something that you spent weeks or months and hours daily just uh conceptualizing designing right. came into fruition and that was such a good feeling i don't think i can describe it yeah oh that's awesome man and they came out so well as well that's nice as well right like you're genuinely mm -hmm. super satisfied with the final product yeah I would say the only the only thing that I was not thrilled with is the the color on the on the faces. Like the mm. the 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 difference between the purple and black is a bit they're they're very no, similar as you wanted. Yeah, they, yeah, it's not yeah, it's not nearly as distinct as I wanted. 
because and especially for you know older people in my family they cannot see the distinction between that black (laughs) and that shade of purple so they love my playing cards like oh we we can't use them that well we can't see which one's black and red i said okay that's fine i appreciate that you you know you supported me and 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 purchased uh purchased the deck (laughs) but uh yeah so i think that would that would be my only thing is you know figuring out exactly the color tone um of these cards but aside from that i was very thrilled with everything else yeah and i guess like for me like i'm like very like i avoid like physical products a lot because i find like mm-hmm. the margins are like super difficult and obviously it's not mm-hmm. all about that but for yeah. you like have, have you felt like this is like i don't know if it's like a douchebag question i'm just i'm just genuinely <laughs> interested i'm just like how successful oh, has sure. it been making like a deck of cards for you like like financially wise yeah, yeah, that's a really, really good question. So when I, uh, and by the way, the way that I approached this deck was similar to what we were discussing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to release my deck of playing cards. It's going to sell out instantaneously. Right. And it was the same thing that I saw with, like, for example, like at the time, there were so many hype decks being released. Right. So many. Like with uh, with the Fontaines, they sold out in like less than a minute. Yeah. With like uh, some of the Lotus in hand decks also selling out in like seconds. Um. Uh, the the organic playing cards also selling out really quickly and i'm like you know what yeah i'm like this is it that i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, release this deck and it's gonna freaking sell out in two seconds yeah and then (laughs) and then um my friends and family told me you know what i feel like you should have realistic expectations maybe don't think it'll sell it immediately otherwise you'll feel bad (laughs) so i'm like okay you know what in the first week i'll sell out about a half of my stock and uh, so I put these decks for pre-order. I, I felt so confident I was not going to do it. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to do a Kickstarter. I believe in myself so much. Right. And at the time, I think I had around um, 9,000 subscribers on uh-huh. YouTube. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to destroy the market with this deck. And then I remember I took the day off. The day that the, the deck was going to be released, oh, no. I took off. To watch the And I sat there. No, yeah, no, no. I had to watch the sales. No, no. <laughs> You freaking maniac. So, so the, uh, and I was releasing this deck at 12 p.m. Right. And I'm sitting there, 11:15. I'm like, oh my god, I have to, I have to use the bathroom, but I can't. I have to sit here and watch the sales come in. <laughs> and I wait there. It's 12 o'clock. No sales. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Maybe it just takes a bit of time for right. process. You know, yeah, to, to for the the item to go live. I'm like, okay, and then it's 12:01. One sale comes in. For one deck, I'm like okay, this is less than ideal, yeah. But it's okay, I'll take it. And then I think about like five, six minutes pass. I had like four or five more sales come in, and I think I told in like the first hour. I think I sold about uh, I don't know, like fifty or sixty decks. And I'm like, I mean, honestly, for like that, for like seven k subs, pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Like. <laughs> But not uh, what you were yeah, expecting. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> close to the expectation, and that, <laughs> yeah. that was the biggest thing. I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah, I and I then have ten thousand of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I put a poll, and this is one of the, my biggest life lessons. I put a poll on my YouTube channel. I'm like, okay, if I release a deck of playing cards, how many should I make so that you would buy them? And I had people respond, and the total came out to about 12 or 1300 decks i'm like you know what i'll print a thousand and we should be good right so so that's what i did I and the then no yeah yeah exactly yeah 
So I'm like, okay, well, and then at this point, it's been two hours, three hours, four hours. And I sold maybe like 80 decks. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is not great. And then they, they kind of hit me like, oh, I think I dug myself into a pretty deep hole here. <laughs> and then, and then by the end of the week, I had made about a hundred, I have sold, I sold about a hundred decks, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's not horrible, but you know, with the expectation that I came yeah, in with, I was like, oh, this is not great. 10% of the expectation you had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then by the end of the month, I ended up selling a total of 200 decks. Mm-hmm. And then by the following end of the following month, I sold around 300 in total. And I think year like to date, since I released the playing cards, I sold around 500. So at this point, I, I had, def- I had definitely broken even. Right. So uh, I guess that's one thing that was good. Yeah. But I think the biggest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I still have, you know, a couple hundred decks left over that you know i i want to keep for myself i want to i want to keep at least 200 decks for myself oh yeah so you can have the rest of your life yes yeah pretty much so uh so yeah i guess that that was kind of the whole thing then of of how it happened um so at this point i've i guess made a bit of profit on the playing cards but all all the playing cards that i sell from now on is 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 just profit which is you know which is nice yeah so but yeah so i still have around like 500 decks left and uh, I have to get my hands on one, aren't I? <laughs> or if you know, if you want to buy like three hundred, that'd be great. Yeah, too. I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> yearning to buy three hundred decks today. Now that you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely a great, a, a great learning experience. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I wish I could say it was a great experience in terms of, you know, sales. But even though it wasn't, I was very upset about it for like a, a week or two. Right. But it was, I think, coming out of it and looking back at it now, I really learned so much about uh, designing cards, about um, working with other creators on promotion, because I didn't even do that. Right. I, I really should have. Subs. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I learned that I should definitely, you know, kind of how to do some level of marketing right. with, uh, with my playing cards. Um, also, the whole distribution process, I packaged everything myself. So I'm actually a little glad that I did not sell out immediately. <laughs> otherwise, I would have been. <laughs> oh, I would have been packaging for hours and, and like hours on end. But I spent maybe um, like three, four hours of the first day packaging sales. It was it was definitely fun in the beginning, but I'm like, oh, this is right. this is not it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I learned about that. Then of course, you know, I learned about you know having realistic more realistic expectations uh when doing things and how to judge your audience and not just go based off of exactly what they say because people are very um i guess fickle they can easily you know say oh yeah i'll buy it and then they don't end up buying it because a lot of people who said you know i'll buy six decks of playing cards ended up buying like two or three right so yeah so i guess that's something you also have to have to kind of keep in mind so i definitely learned a lot yeah. Uh, the it's results not, are not exactly what I wanted, but I learned a lot. It's one of those brutal Sorry, ones where it's like you don't want to have that conversation with yourself because you wish it had just been yeah. like a huge dub. But mm-hmm. then over time, you like, you manage to like make it into a win. And it is obviously a win overall now. But yeah. it is, you like, I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> you know, I want to have the conversation that's like, oh, like looking back, 
and should have done all this stuff, but it still did really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, like learning experiences are great, but in the moment, you you know you're just trying to like justify it to yourself because you're actually just like sad about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, this is kind of like a thank you by the way for being for like sharing all that. Oh my gosh, that's like really honest and fun and like I appreciate it. Like it's it's really interesting for me and I hope interesting as well. For yeah, of course. Listening. Um, but this is kind of like a brutal transition because this is my next question, but it sounds like yeah. savage after you've talked about that. <laughs> I'm like, so what do you do for a day job? <laughs> that sounds really brutal, <laughs> but I know that like magic is not your full time job, so I'm just interested to know what what you do um, when you're not doing yeah. magic. Yeah, I wish I wish I was able to do uh, you know this full time. Yeah. So hopefully someday. I'm sure. Uh, but full time, full time, I work as a cybersecurity engineer. Oh wow. So, uh, so yeah, I guess because of uh, the money I make doing that, I'm able to kind yeah, of fund you're, you're, my my content. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really you, you know like I'm I was it's not like I was worried like oh no I bought six thousand five hundred dollars worth of playing cards now I have no yeah. money. So like I, mean, I if guess that's that, that, if you done that then you yeah I, I don't think you're you're that silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why that's why it was more manageable at that time. But yeah, so I I, I do that um full time as my day job and cool. ideally I would it's okay. Like it, it yeah. pays the bills yeah. and that's why I do it. Uh but ideally I, I would honestly I would love to just, you know, kind of create content. I love I would love performing magic. And ideally that's what I that's what I want to do full time. So that's the goal, and hopefully I'll get there in the next uh, two to three years. I'm sure you will. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I guess for you, this is like, do you see like parallels between like your day job and like magic and how the two help each other? The first thing that comes to my head is like stack work and like. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you're coding. I don't even know. I'm, I'm probably like. I'm, yeah. Yeah, but like I've heard a lot of people talk. Like Andy Gladwin for one. Mm-hmm. was a coder right and then he came into magic and i think i've heard of like a few other people as well especially that like came into stack work from like that kind of like mathematician type angle like coding angle but i don't know for you do you see any like ways that both of these two like um occupations help each other yes good good question i don't think i've actually thought about it mm. i think the way that i integrated work and magic was Taking a deck of playing cards to work and walking around showing people <laughs> card tricks in a very physical way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I I never actually thought about incorporating both these together, because you know um, I, I did start doing development work when I initially started working, mm-hmm. and then from there I transitioned to cybersecurity because I quickly realized that coding can get very frustrating, and like ninety five percent of it is sitting there being frustrated looking things up, right. and like five percent of it's actually coding, and. <laughs> The only part I enjoyed was the actual coding part. I did not enjoy the 95%. Right. But that 5% was so gratifying. That, and that's why I decided to become an engineer mm-hmm. because of that 5%. But I never actually thought of how it would help me in, you know, whether in, in coming up with ideas or coming up with um, certain ways of, uh, like you said, uh, doing any kind of stacking, things like that. But now that you mentioned it, I think I... I think I'll maybe take the time to yeah have a look at some of the resources. There's, there's some really interesting like papers that like Harvard yeah. type students have done on like maths and magic, math and magic, mm-hmm. depending on what country you're from. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you might find that like quite interesting. I, I can send you some stuff afterwards, but 
you might find it interesting like for how your brain works like the two might they might, might be a nice like perfect harmony mm, yeah yeah i'll definitely be interested yeah but yeah well thank you um and now my final question is it's a little like and i don't i know we're like running out of time so you don't feel like you have to like go hard on it but for yeah. you like obviously like there's like this stigma in like the magic world around like content creators really in general in magic mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of like you know like are you revealing methods or like you know yeah. you're, like giving stuff away for free what's kind of yeah. your whole outlook on that yeah i think i've asked myself that question so many times because mm-hmm. w- when i first started doing magic it's like oh it's, people would call me out like oh you're you're destroying the the sacred magic of right, never reveal how something's done the art. yeah and the way that I saw when I, at least when I first started this, my YouTube channel was that I, I love doing magic and it's because the reason I, I mentioned before that I just feel like it, it makes so much like people look at it in, in like childlike wonder when the last, you know, when, when, when you do the last reveal or, or something like that. And that's really what I wanted to share. So I'm like, if, if that's something that I can do and I could bring that joy to other people, I want other people to be do that, to be doing that as well. I want other people to learn, you know, a, a simple card trick from me and then be able to go out and do it for someone else and kind of impact their day in a positive way. Right. Because I know a lot of the time people are just living their day. They're not really, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the right way to put it, but they're not really always, you know, thrilled with, with, with their day. And I feel like adding the value of, you know, the maybe your day's not going well. Maybe your day's going well, whatever it is. But I feel like just adding a bit of childlike wonder to your day always helps out. Uh, it always makes helps your day better. Certainly. So that's how I saw when I when I first started doing card magic, and then once I started doing it on my YouTube channel, a lot of people were well, maybe I wouldn't say a lot, but like a handful of people were like, "Oh, you're Vocal you're ruining minority. magic." Yeah, yeah. Like you're ruining magic for other people. You're doing this. You're doing that. Uh, and then I'm like, "Oh wait, am I?" Am I actually ruining, ruining magic because I'm revealing all these tricks online? Should right. I just stop doing this? And then it was, I was really split at that time because I'm like, okay, well, I, I understand that, you know, people don't want their tricks being revealed or they're like, oh, you don't, you shouldn't show, you know, you shouldn't reveal card tricks or shouldn't reveal magic tricks. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I feel like if I'm, uh, uh, the way that I saw it is if I'm, uh, asking permission for someone who's who's done this card trick, or I've uh, or I'm giving credit, or I'm kind of making my own version of the card trick. I feel like I I don't know. I feel like it's worth it uh, in terms of one giving credit where it's due, asking permission, or two um, being like uh, this is something that uh, I've worked on putting together. I don't think it should really impact you in any way honestly and if it can at the end of the day we really just want to impact people's day make their day better mm-hmm. and if that's something that i can do i honestly don't care if you're gonna hate me for it or you know uh, i don't know, have something against me mm-hmm. so i guess that's a, that's the way i saw it it's like your cards say right a wolf doesn't concern <laughs> itself with opinions of the sheep there we go oh, exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I think I agree as well. Like, I feel like, obviously, like, there's some things that are just, like, plainly wrong where people will just, like, go in and, like, buy a gimmick and, like, 
<clears throat> yes. That just released, right? And then just like yes, tear yes, apart yes. and like there's some things like I don't know, like a show where like it's explicit, like right now, like please don't reveal the methods of the show if you know them, yes, like that yes. sort of thing, you know. Yes. But then when it's just like basic effects or even advanced effects, right? But like it's getting people into the art and it's not mm-hmm. done with any malicious intent and it's not done for just like view farming. Yeah. I yeah, feel like yeah. that's that's like the best place you can be. Um, I, I agree. I agree. And it was, I was actually, when I started my YouTube channel and I was getting no views, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should reveal people's card tricks. Right. And that's what I, that's what I started doing. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is not right. Yeah. And it was, and I got that mainly from one reading the comments of people being like, oh, that's not how he does it. You're wrong on this. Or um, <laughs> this is stupid. We're revealing them correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or, um, or just like, oh, this is you're just doing this to get views. I'm like, oh, you know what? I was doing this just to get views. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And then I think I did that last time I did that was like four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm never gonna do this again. Just to just to get just to I guess reveal someone's hard worked method, something they just came out with, or you know, uh, especially if it was, um, especially if they if it's shown, I don't know, somewhere on TV, and then they have like a a thing that they can purchase that that you can purchase right. as a consumer to to do that like i feel like that's definitely very wrong yeah so you know since then i i stopped doing that and like the thing is as well it's like i don't know it seems like for you and i like youtube is part of what got me into magic you know so mm-hmm. it's like i don't know i feel like so many people come from youtube these days and it's such a good resource that like just like denying it for no other reason but like just because you don't like it really yeah. is like cutting off like the magic community from a huge like community of really like great people who just love doing magic yeah yeah because absolutely a lot of the time the people that <laughs> can reference like every single page of every magic book ever written and are like super hardcore on method are like less fun to be around than like you know like the 15 year old kid that's just watched like 10 youtube videos yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah. and also maybe don't have as much innovation like these new people coming in that like only knew 10 tricks no 10 tricks when they come up with their own methods mm. that like undoubtedly we're going to be like more original or come from like a different place so i don't know I, I feel like overall like it can only be positive for the magic community i completely understand people that are upset by like method yeah. revealing for views or just like yeah that sort of thing but i feel like yeah. in general like it's only good for the community. It only helps us grow. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I I do not think I would have gotten into magic if I had to read through books. Yeah. Because I again, I was 12 years old, and even now, reading books, I can rarely when I try and read hundred percent understand. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what planet <laughs> is this? <laughs> yeah, like if that if that was my first, um, I guess my first look at how to learn magic, I don't think I would have done it. No. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad that yeah. that I was able to see it on on YouTube or or through a friend, yeah, or you know, on those things. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been as obsessed as I am. I don't think I'd be where I am, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would have, you know, been able to share magic with anyone. Yeah. Well. I would love to talk for hours and maybe we will at another point, <laughs> but I know that you're on a tight schedule and we got to wrap up, <laughs> but thank you so much um, for everything that you shared. Obviously just to give you some like promotion, if you're interested in watching the channel, it's just Google card mechanic or just put card mechanic into YouTube. If you're interested in the cards, um, 
Canis Canis Lupus. You can just put in the, the www.cardmechanic.shop and you'll find everything you need for them. Um, and then obviously your handle on Instagram is the card mechanic. Um, I think I'm sure once you find one of them, you'll, you'll probably yeah. be linked to all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Not to be confused yeah. with car mechanic, because a lot of times I've told my friends I'm card mechanic. They look up a car mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might get quite different results there. <laughs> <laughs> But really, thank you. Uh, thanks, Jacob, so much for having me on. It was, you know, an absolute pleasure getting to getting to spend this time and, and talking with you and your audience. Thank you so much. All right, we'll close it out then.